Let me get started properly. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. We want to acknowledge that we live on the traditional land of the Stolo, Semiamu, and Kwantlen people, and we want to express our gratitude for them. Welcome to the bridge this Easter Sunday. We are grateful that you have come to join us for this morning. If you're new to the gathering, please make yourself at home. Um, we would love for you to make yourself at home here. If you have any questions, you are welcome to ask them either in Q&R after the sermon, or you can nudge your neighbor or come find me during the service. I sit right up front, so it's not even awkward for you to find me. So my name is Eden, and along with the lovely Sarah Pickering on the desk over there, um, we co-lead this community. If you already feel at home here at the bridge, then please help us make others comfortable too. Share your name, ask a name, and let folks know that you see them. Okay. Well, uh, it's my opportunity to uh, welcome here this morning uh, my second favorite theologian. Uh, if you want to know why, then you have to read my book. <laughs> um, we're so uh, grateful, Brad, for having you here this morning. Dr. Bradley Jerzlek, theologian, dean of uh, St. Stephen's University, author, writer, teacher, uh, most of all, probably most importantly, husband to Eden, but more importantly to me, my great friend and traveling companion. So, Brad, just want to pray for you. Oh, I'm out of breath. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, Father, just thank you so much for this man, uh, for Brad, for all you've placed in him, for just his heart for the kingdom, uh, for the love of Jesus, and uh, all the wisdom um, and passion that you placed in him. And, Father, just pray this morning, Holy Spirit, come, uh, fill him, uh, inspire the words that you've already inspired in his heart, and uh, may they uh, just land in us and draw us closer to you this morning. Amen. Thanks, Steve. Hey, Eric, look, I got a t-shirt of you. <laughs> um, this, uh, uh, he is risen. It's very important to uh, the tradition that we say is, not was. Because um, it, it's unfortunate that the word myth has come to mean not true, when in fact what it meant was always true. That which happened in the first century is always true. So in the tradition, we would say Christ is born. Christ is crucified. Christ descends into Hades. Christ is risen, truly is risen. And uh, because it's always true, it's true for us this morning. And because it's always true, it's true in all times, everywhere, 
and everywhere for all people. And I want to look at that, that this morning as the magnitude of the earthquake, which is the passion of the Christ, which is the cross. And so this is another little uh, caveat that the cross in the tradition doesn't just mean the crucifixion on Good Friday. The cross is Jesus as the tree of life that includes the crucifixion, the descent into Hades, and the resurrection. That's why Paul would say, I glory in nothing but the cross. He doesn't mean I forgot the resurrection. He's saying that through death, death has died. And we celebrate that on Easter Sunday. And so um, I, want to, I want to share about the magnitude of that earthquake. You know, some of the very first people to see this were actually the Samaritans. In John 4, when the woman at the well goes back to town and he shares with the folks about her encounter with Jesus, many of them believed her because of her witness, unlike the disciples who didn't believe Mary Magdalene so much. Um, but then Jesus came to town himself and... The Samaritans say this, and just hear it very carefully. We believed what she said, but now that we've met you for ourselves, we really believe. And this is about the importance of encounter. Peace. You're welcome. Nope. So, now that, and, and this is what they believe. This is what they believe. Now that we've met you for ourselves, we believe that you're the savior of the world. Amen? I, I'm afraid that much of recent, by recent I mean the last 500 years, Christian theology has utterly turned away from the magnitude of the passion of the Christ by which he revealed he's the savior of the world. I would love to become more traditional on this, so I'm going to help you. So the first part, I want to just share from the scriptures. And I want you to notice that he's the savior of the world. Not just the savior of good Christians who's been baptized and confessed the right doctrine. He's the savior of the world. Who better to ask first than our Lord Jesus Christ? Red letters. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world is driven out. When? 2,000 years ago. Amazing how we could still find the devil behind every bush. When he's been driven out. Unless Jesus is wrong, but he doubles down. And I, when I am lifted up, I will draw all people. Who? All people to myself. John 17, 1 and 2. His high priestly prayer. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people. Why? So that he might give eternal life to all those you gave him. Who? All people. Acts 3.21, Peter is reflecting, this is just after uh, the ascension. He's not far into 
his ministry and he gets arrested and he's got to give a testimony, a testimony that Jesus said his father would put in his mouth. Here's his testimony. Heaven must take him in until the time comes for the restoration of all things. Restoration of what things? All things, which God announced long ago through the Holy Prophets. Okay, Peter, what about Paul? Romans chapter 12. Consequently, as one trespass resulted in the condemnation of all people, in, in uh, modern language, we're all screwed. So also, one righteous act resulted in the justification and life for who? All people. That's the logic of Romans, the whole book. We're all screwed so that we can be all saved. Romans 11. He has shut up all to unbelief so that he may have mercy on who? Them all. He doesn't stop there. Colossians 1.19. For God was pleased to have all this fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things. Which things? Things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This is about the magnitude of Easter Sunday. This is about the savior of the world and how far his reach extends. And did you know that his arms are not too short to reach anyone? Well, how about 1 Corinthians 15? This is the furthest, uh, what do you call it? Telescope into the future. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ, good Christians who are baptized and say the right, no, so in Christ all will be made alive. Like, you can only read so many of these before it's not proof texting anymore. It's a dominant theme in the New Testament of our proclamation of the gospel. I've got 40 of these. I'm only going to read maybe half a dozen more. For God has put everything under his feet, and when everything is subject to Christ, then the Son himself will also be subject to the one who subjected everything to him, so that God may be all in all. Ephesians 1, he's going to tell us the plan from the beginning, 9 and 10. He's made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. To get, here's his plan for the fullness of time. Here's the mystery he's revealed, he, and he wants you to know what it is. Want to know what it is? I want to know what it is. To gather up all things in him. To gather what? All things in him. Things in heaven and things on earth. But then he decides to go even further in Philippians 2, and Steve sang us that beautiful Philippians 2 Christ hymn this morning that he wrote that's in the end of his book. Therefore God exalted him in the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, heaven and earth and under the earth. And um, the word confess there, I confess that as a young pastor, 
who could not see that Jesus is Savior of the world. I preach that some will confess with gritted teeth before they go off to hell. That's not what the word means. The word confess here is pledge allegiance and profess. The same word you get with, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your hearts that God has raised him from the dead. Hello, Easter. You'll be saved. It's a proclamation. It's a profession of faith. And who's going to make it? Every knee and every tongue in heaven and on earth and under the earth. 2 Peter 3.9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, is patient toward you, not willing that any, any, any should perish, but that all, all, all should come to eternal life. I mean, come on. He's, he's not willing for that to happen. And if he's all-powerful love, then that's what's going to happen. The Lord is not slow. He's patient. 1 John 2, 2. He, like, like, I don't know how you can be more clear. But he, he, John, this is now John. So we got... We got Jesus, we got Peter, we got Paul. Now we've got John the Beloved. He himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. I think we should give the last word to Jesus again, though. Don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one, and I was dead, and now look. I'm alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. What do you think he'll do with them? He who was seated on the throne said to Jesus, look, I'm making everything new. Making what new? Everything new. And then he said, by the way, write it down. For these words are trustworthy and true. Why isn't anyone writing this down? Get your pens up. I am making everything new. This is the gospel of Easter. That he has revealed himself to be the savior of the world. And Easter is the means by which he did it. By the way, I'm having fun. Don't be stressed. You should have seen Fresh Wind, eh? Oh, man. <laughs> All right. So that's a little bit about that. Uh, let's, let's, let's have a look at some of... This is the scriptures. This is the tradition, right? This is the scriptures. And, and, and yes, sin matters, and the cross matters, and the resurrection matters, and faith matters, and there's a final judgment. All are means to that end, and we've heard what the end is. I will... Draw all people to myself. We didn't only listen to the scriptures and proclaim them, though. Through Jesus, through Peter, through Paul, through John, the church began to paint this as a narrative. And so we have these resurrection. Let's go back to the full-size pictures there. I want to explain some of this. This is called the, the icon of the Anastasis, the icon of the resurrection. Here is the tradition. Jesus did not come out of a tomb alone. 
he came out of Hades itself with a, with a parade. And here is, here's the resurrection. You've got Jesus. And he has bound the strong man, which is Hades. A personific it's not a man, it's a, it's a personification of death. And he's bound him up, and he's plundered his goods. What are his goods? Well, we'll get to that for a moment. But you've got the, he's broken the gates of Hades. He's bound the strong man. He's gone, he's shattered the gears and the hinges and the locks. And, uh, and it's all broken, and it's under his feet. And in many of these, you're going to see in some of the other ones, the two doors form the shape of the cross. And he descends all the way down. And he finds the very bottom of Hades where he pulls up Adam and Eve, representing humanity. He raises up humanity with himself. And you've got some witnesses here. You've got John the Baptist. You've got David and Solomon. Um, you've got a whole bunch of folks here. But, but the idea is that he has, he has gone and conquered Hades. What happened on Holy Saturday? He descends, this is the Apostles' Creed. He descends into hell. To do what? To rescue everybody. Let's look at the next one. Same thing. Here again, you've got the broken gates in the shape of the cross. You've got Hades trampled down under his feet. You've got Jesus, and he's pulling up Adam. And you've got David and Solomon again. You've got uh, like the various saints. And, and, and so Christ is emerging. Let's go back to the last one. I want you just to bear this shape in mind later. Okay. And now, so we didn't just paint it. This is, this is how we proclaimed the gospel of the resurrection. Not just an empty tomb, but an empty hell. Not just uh, Jesus emerging alone, but Jesus emerging as savior of the... Bridge. No, the world, the world. Okay. And so out of this, out of this vision of we know what, we know what the eyewitnesses saw. They saw an empty tomb, a couple, a couple of angels. And then, and then Mary Magdalene, first of all, encounters the gardener. She's mistaken or is she? It's the gardener, right? But we tell the myth, we paint it in myth form to say what's always true. What's always true. So we have this narrative. And it's not, no, it's not literal gates. It's not a literal man called Hades. It's not even Adam and Eve. It's humanity is raised up with Jesus today. 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 Okay, let's, then they thought, well, let's now make this part of the liturgical tradition, meaning our hymnography. Um, so Steve's a really good songwriter. We heard that this morning. We also have some pretty great ancient songwriters. Let's have a look at them. So these are, these are hymns that we sing every Sunday in a rotation throughout the world in my tradition. Listen to how the same, see the same story? There's the strong mound is bound up. Gates of Hades are broken. Shape of the cross, Adam and Eve. 
that says the anastasis, the resurrection. You've got, again, John the Baptist, you know, all the same stuff. And now you're going to see it in our hymns. This is the tradition. First, let's check the time. As God, thou didst rise from the tomb in glory, raising the world with thyself. Therefore, mortal nature praises thee as God, and death has vanished. Now Adam exalts, O master, and Eve, freed from her bonds, rejoices, crying out, Thou art the one, O Christ, who grants resurrection to... Next one. When thou didst descend to death, O life immortal, thou didst slay Hades with the radiance of thy divinity. And when thou didst raise the dead from the lowest depths, from where? The lowest depths. All the hosts of heaven cried out, O giver of life, Christ our God, glory to thee. Thou didst rise from the tomb, O mighty Savior, and seeing the miracle, Hades became terrified, and the dead rose. Who rose? The dead rose. At the sight of it, creation rejoices with thee, and Adam is joyful, and the world. Who? The world. O my Savior, praises thee forever. Thou didst descend into Hades, O my Savior, and as the mighty one broke down the gates. As a creator, thou didst raise the dead together with thyself, shattering the sting of death, delivering Adam from the curse, O friend of mankind. Wherefore, we cry out to thee, save us, O Lord. And finally, I mean, I've got hundreds of these. Um, one more. Christ God, the giver of life, raised the dead from the dark abysses. From where? The dark abysses. And, his life, and by his life-bearing hand, bestowed resurrection upon the fallen race of man. For he is the savior of Christians. No! Of all. The resurrection and the life and the God of all, of all, of all. So, I'm saying this as a conservative. We need to conserve the tradition the biblical tradition, the theological tradition, the liturgical tradition that has always, always proclaimed Jesus as Savior of the world, the magnitude of his passion that extends to all people, even to those at the very bottom of the abyss. Until we forgot that somehow. And I'm really suspicious about why. It has all to do with power, control, exclusion, Making people behave with the smoking gun of hell pointed at their head and saying, you better believe or else. One question, is that belief? Or is that a hostage video? Right? All right, I want to just close now by reminding you that this is today. This is always true. This is not the kind of myth that isn't true. This is a resurrection that is always true. Two examples. One is from Steve's book, and the other is from the spiritual diary, Sergius Bulgakov. And what they're doing is, when you see this, it reframes death for us as we face it with our loved ones and ourselves. It reframes it completely as rebirth. So one way, I'm, I'm, you can take rebirth as one example. That your whole life is a womb, and you've been growing in it, and you have no more idea what's to come than a baby that's in the, in the womb still. But death now becomes the breaking of the waters for your rebirth. And um, I mean, 
how do you say this medically? Oh, come on. Steve Mitchinson has said, the discussion so far brings us to the cervix of the womb of this life. That part of the uterus which must now open for the baby to enter the birth canal and finally be born. It is the connective tissue and the muscle that for the period of gestation has fulfilled an essential function in maintaining pressure that prevents a premature birth but now must yield and change its purpose. It is time for what has been formed in the womb to come out and begin the new phase of a life journey, fulfilling the purpose for which it was created. And this is what Steve tells people in palliative care. You're about to be born. Let's get you ready. Well, Sergius Bulgakov, he's, he lived about 100 years ago. And um, he used other metaphors. I won't read it all, but he said, um, well, this really spoke to me about our situation. Our companions in life dep depart to that world, and each one calls to us. Come this way, and summoning us, like a clanging bell, each one speaks of the approaching and imminent hour of death. The death of sinners is grim, and dreadful is the hour of death for every sinner, and for me, wretch that I am. But I place my hope in the mercy of your loving kindness. My soul has long heard and known this call, not as something unfamiliar and foreign, but rather as a summons, both native and familiar, Death is both dreadful and not, for death itself decays and dies the nearer we draw, near, draw to it. And after the terrible and distressing event of the grave and corruption, a new life is ignited, a new youth, for the youth is renewed like the eagles. It is as if, little by little, the lead gates of death become ever more transparent. The light begins to shine through them and the singing on the other side reaches us. And we become aware of the souls who dwell there. The soul is sprouting wings. Get a load of this one. It's teething. There's still a long way to go, yet there's already a beginning. Already life proceeds with the feeling of the break of dawn and the soul basks in the morning air. We must live with complete fullness, with all love, with total effort, but we must bear in ourselves this knowledge. Everything is for a time, and that everything is not only going to end, but must end, and must receive the new. And so today, Resurrection Sunday, we proclaim the new, we are in the midst of sprouting wings through this life. We are teething. We, you know, one day we're going to go through labor. Um, whatever you're the mom or the, or the baby, whatever, right? It's, uh, he's alive, and so are you, and so will you be. Um, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your son uh, who entered Hades and came back with a great parade telling us that you're the savior of the world and we embrace that message today we're so grateful and we say you are risen and uh so might we be in the name of jesus amen so next sunday is our zoom, our zoom service um 
If you haven't joined us on Zoom, you're welcome to uh, just uh, send us a note um, through the office at the bridge online.ca and we will send you an invitation. If you've been with us before, it's always the same invite. Brad, would you um, do a benediction for us, please? Sure. Uh, I bless you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Christ is risen. Amen. <laughs>